Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name's Panos and today we're, sco- we're going to record me and Luke. However, poor guy sick, lost his voice, talking too much. So, today's just me. And it was something that I was kind of hoping that it was going to have a back and forth me and Luke and going through this, but it's going to be just me today. And hopefully, it resonates with you guys because it's something that, of course, I see this sort of element to people's, you know, psychology or their approach to training. And it's something that we want to try to fill that void. It's about learning to like and maybe love the process of training the dog. See, the truth is most people get a dog not expecting to have to train them and and not like in the, like, yes, of course, we got to toilet train them. Yes, of course, we got to teach them, you know, simple, basic things. I think most people know that they have to train their dog to do something. But what happens when you get a rescue dog and he's reactive on the lead, he barks all day, all night at random sounds in the backyard, your dog's just out of control, can't be trusted around other dogs, around around other people, or, you know, he's really difficult to manage around your children. So, we get this dog expecting to have the dream dog, and we didn't really expect to have to go down this whole big rabbit hole of dog training and learn to become a dog trainer for your dog. And I see that usually when it comes to people getting rescue dogs, because of course, you know, dog has previous experiences and sometimes they could be good, neutral, or a lot of the times it could be, you know, um, undesirable, you know, whether it's a lack of socialization, whether it was being ill-treated, you know, being malnourished from being young. And, you know, there's so many different variables of what would make, you know, an undesirable behavior. And, we get, we acquire this dog and now we're like, oh my God, what do I do with this one and a half year old staffy mix who just, you know, tears the house up, can't leave him alone. We can't go to work. We can't go for walks. And it's like, what, are, what have we done here? So now, of course, a lot of people get puppies and they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. And then, you know, I come in, give them some guidelines, a bit of management, what to do in terms of teaching puppies how to learn and, you know, discouraging you know, bad behaviors and trying to encourage the best behaviors out of them. And it does become quite a process that we're like, oh my God, I didn't know I had to train the dog. And I think, well, we got a dog, so we can't train them. Now, of course, a dog trainer is going to think that, but I guess I didn't think of it as well when I was 18 years old and I had a Kelpie and, and I was like, oh, cool. I get to go for walks and he'll hang out with me. Now, of course, I was 18. I was very active. I wasn't, you know, I was working for sure, but at the time I got Rocky, I just came back from from an overseas trip, so I was kind of out of work for like two and a half, three months. So, we did lots of stuff. He came out with me. We're doing lots of different activities and indirectly looking back all the, like, you know, looking back to all those years ago, I was training him. I was doing the things that he had to do. So, maybe innately I had, you know, a knack to, you know, communicating with with, with my dog and getting him to do things and, this, and the coolest um, example is I didn't have Rocky for very long. He he passed away prematurely, like just under a year and a half from from leukemia, which was quite depressing. But 
you know, a couple months later, I had a new dog, Ace, and when he grew up from puppyhood, me and my friend would go down to the park. Again, this is before I even understood that there were dog trainers. I had nothing to do with dog training. I just was a guy with a Kelpie lab. And every time we would kick the soccer ball, I'd kick it and he'd catch it like immediately. And it would drive me nuts. It'd get me and my friend Pierre so bloody upset. We're like, just let the ball go so you can chase it. So we indirectly taught him well we directly taught him through luring we lured the soccer ball we walked in a circle he followed the soccer ball because he wanted it and then i would say get it and then i'd kick it i would run around a circle and then eventually say go around me he would run around i'd kick the ball and then there that was like the beginning of me teaching him to go around and there was function for it i told him to go around so i had enough time to kick the ball far away so he can go grab it and bring it back to me so of course we get, I thought, of course, you get a dog to train them because, you know, the part of the enjoyment of the dog is that we do stuff with them. Otherwise, like, what are we actually getting the dog for? So, they, we can just pat them when we come home and they can just kind of fill the void of boredom inside your house. You've got to really consider what is it that you have a dog for. And you've got to understand that each breed, each individual dog has a different requirement. You may get this little tiny cute Maltese and the dog's awesome. You hardly have to do anything. Go for the odd walk here and there. Dog's happy-go-lucky. Gives us the enjoyment in the house. Great companion, you know, um, and is in sync with the whole household and the dog lives a happy, long life. And that's what everyone thinks they're going to get when they get the dog. And not everyone, of course, people that are listening here have an expectation of what dogs are and, you know, getting down the training journey. Of course, why would you listen to anything and commit to any podcast if you didn't want to understand about, about dog training? So, it's important here that we have to learn to like and to love that process because it is the three reasons why, or three of the most important reasons of why we train a dog is a teaching practical skills, a recall, come when called, go to your bed when we're inside the house when visitors come over, hold a down stay while we're at the coffee shop um, or letting your kid play at the playground, you know, a sit before we cross the road and going between doorways. So instead of you telling them don't run out the door, tell them to sit at the door, and then, of course, we release them out of position. So, there's function and practicality to it. So, you should do it so that your communication skills improve. And once your communication skills improve, of course, we can do so much more with our dogs. It gives a mental stimulation. The more practice of training that we get into, we don't see the barking and the digging and the barking at birds as much as it would because we've been giving them constructive um, times throughout the day where we do some training before our walk, on our walk, after our walk, whenever. And it's relationship building. The more you practice your training, the more stronger your bond becomes. Now, of course, if you've listened to multiple episodes, you, can, you probably heard me say this over and over again. But remember the relationship building part of it. It's a time that you and your dog get to do something that is constructive. It's playful. It's fun. It's energetic. And also it, it gives us an opportunity to increase our um, skills together where you outsource all of that playing to the random dogs in the dog park and just let them go out and sniff the world and have nothing to do with that process. Your dog doesn't see you for any anything. Now, of course, I let my dogs go off and sniff and to do things, and if they happen to play with the dog, they'll play with one. But it's not the sole purpose of the exercise. The exercise is we do stuff together, and that's why I can communicate with my dogs. But I like that process, and I try to keep it short and sweet because I'm training dogs all day long. I don't want to have to overtrain my dogs either because, you know, I can probably get over it. Hence why I have hobbies and interests outside of dog training so I don't get burnt out as much as I guess I already do. So, you know, training is play and training is what's required for our dogs to thrive. Again, depending on the breed, but 
even even a little high energy Maltese pom, my, my little dog Nookie, she she gets training every day because she she likes it. She wants the ball. I, I throw the ball to get the en- extra energy out of her. Um, it's something that she enjoys to do, so I'll make her do stuff for it. And it doesn't take much for me to do it. And I like to, of course, take it to another level where I can increase my durations of the down and, you know, can I get her to do specific things? But I don't go over the top with her only because I can't be bothered. And I guess that's kind of against, you know, learning to love the training, but I do it every day anyway. Even if it's raining and we can't go for a walk, we do a little training session at the back because seven minutes of that drains her. She's so tired. She gets water and she wants to lay down and, um, and then she can come into my house a lot more calmer and, and I don't have to be mad at her for doing silly things. So, um, so it's important here that for yourself, we say, oh, we always say, keep your training session short and sweet so your dog doesn't get over it. I think you should also be training your dog short and sweet so that you don't get over it, you know? And I think, you know, you don't want to go, you don't want to be one of those people that trained your dog hard out for a month and a half and then dropped off and did nothing because you got burnt out and you got over it. And it's like a lot of people, you know, go in the gym, starting to exercise, they do it hard out for like two or three months and then they, and they stop doing it for the rest of the year until a New Year's resolution comes back again. So it's important that, you want to set yourselves up for success and learn that if you listen to this before you even acquire a dog, part of the requirements is, well, how much training do I have to actually do with this dog? How much stuff do I have to do on a regular basis? And am I somebody who works a you know, nine to five job and I'm out of the house from like, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock, don't get back till 6, 6.30, then you have to consider what sort of life are you going to give your dog and also- is training a part of that process? Like, are you waking up even earlier to do training with your dog, give them time in the yard to do nothing? So when you get home, the end of your day is the beginning of their day. You have to fulfill those hours. And that's why it could be exhausting for me because after I've done work, I come home to eat food and hang out with my family and, you know, do the odd jobs of, you know, running a business. And then you're like, oh, yeah, of course, I've got to walk the dogs. And I walk the dogs. And of course, sometimes I can't be bothered. I just want to sit on the couch and do nothing. Or I have other projects that need to be done, but I know that my duty is and my dogs need to get out every day. It's the process of doing it, which is enjoyable because even though you think you can't be bothered, but now I'm pretty lucky and I get to live in a nice area of the world so I can walk and go into a nice big path or I can walk along the bay and be on the sand there and look at Botany Bay. So, I have nice places to walk around, which is ideal, but most people have a park to get to. And even if I'm walking on the streets, and I'm finding opportunities to do training with my dogs. It becomes more dynamic. It becomes a lot more enjoyable. And it's not just that boring walk. But for me, it's not boring because it's a time away from all the other responsibilities. And me just training my dogs is just me hanging out and playing with my dogs. It's not, it's not like it's a chore. So maybe at first when you're on the journey of training, you may get overwhelmed. And I do see this with a lot of clients. I'm like, you know, you got this dog and you didn't know you had to put this much work in because your dog loses his mind at any, anything that he sees moving out in the world, out on your walk rather. So, and I, and you can tell in their faces, they're like, oh my God, I have to do all this stuff and I don't really want to do it. And then of course you can reconsider your, your choices of having the dog or you can reconsider the effort and energy you got to put into it. So if you don't love it or you're not liking it, then you're going to simply see it as a chore and you're not going to want to do it. So if you can try to make a hack on yourself and go, well, then how can I enjoy this? And why is it that I'm doing this training with our dogs or with my dog? 
what what's the benefit so if you're not looking at the the rewards that you're getting from your training the the rewards of your efforts then you may not be getting reinforced for doing any of the training which means you may not give it to your dog which then means your dog gets less stimulation less activity your bond starts to deteriorate your dog doesn't go out for many walks and he's just the thing that just turns food into poo out in the backyard doing nothing which is kind of depressing as well. Or you let him inside the house, he runs amok, everyone gets over it, no one comes over anymore. So of course, you know, you do get the you do get the benefits of your training. But why is it that you're doing this? Now, when I got chili, I thought it was such an awesome idea and something that I want to talk about in another um, episode is, you know, the perks of having a working dog and having a dog that is very, very active, very high drive. But then the Pro, the cons to all of that is that you have a, it's very hard to have a day off because that guy needs so much to just, just to fulfill his basic requirements. And also maybe it's because a habit of ours and he's out all day, every day for the work that we do. He gets multiple training sessions. So on a day like Sunday where I wake up and we go out to the party that we have to leave the house by 10 o'clock. And if I've been lazy and not taking him out in the morning, then he's in the backyard, you know, just, you can tell that he's unhappy. So. If it means I jump in the car, I go up the street and it's at 9.30 before I have to go out, quickly do a five-minute, five, ten-minute training session, a quick little tiny walk for him and get him back home, that's something that you have to like to do where otherwise it's like, oh, my God, I have to do that thing for the dog. And that mindset, just that on its own, is what's going to limit you from doing anything with your dog. So I think it's important here that you set your expectations correctly to your individual dog and then, of course, you have to accept the duty, accept the fact that this is just what's required for your dog to thrive because you don't have to train your dog for them to survive, but you have to train your dog for them to be able to thrive. And, of course, you can input that into your own life in so many different ways. There's heaps of extracurricular activities that you should be doing, but if you fail to do them, then you won't be reaping the benefits of others of of what others that you may see and be inspired by. You know, most people that are high-achieving people are doing all the extracurricular activities, all of their duties and responsibilities, and the truth is that they're kind of hooked and love it. So it's like my dog comes back to me, runs around circles and goes in between my legs and he does all the tricks, but you can tell that he likes to do it. Now, does he like to run around me? Does he like to lay down on command? Does he like to run up to me and sit at my feet? I don't know if he likes it, but he likes the the reward that comes after it. So because he's dopaminergic, he's he's um he knows what the outcome can be. He puts energy into it. So if you can just think about that and plug that kind of equation into your own life and go, well, and just for dog training in particular, is that if you're not if you haven't got it in you to go, I've got a spare five minutes and, you know, I'm going to take him for a walk, but it's going to be an hour and a half. I can quickly get him out the front, practice some bed commands, some practice, you know, practice focus on me, maybe practice some recall and a couple of other extra commands that you want to work on. If that's not in you, you're not going to get the dog that's going to be super calm and relaxed and obedient. Like the truth is, is that it's very rare for the dog to just f- slip into a life where he's like, well, I'm just happy go lucky and nothing bothers me. The truth is you're going to put the effort and energy into it. So, um, and I was speaking about this in group class yesterday, is that you can tell that some people hadn't been doing their training within the two weeks because we had a week off. And and you can simply tell because they're still at the same level as, as what they were. And everyone's got the excuse. Everyone's got the lies about oh, why we couldn't train for two weeks and why we couldn't walk the dog and do all of those things. And of course, people that because, you know, I walk my dog sometimes at 10.30 at night and that's only because that's the time that I have and I and I love to give that for my dogs. 
And if I didn't give it to him, I know what the what what would happen later. Three, four days. It's never been four days where I haven't walked my dogs, but four days of not walking or not training, you can just see my dogs are flat, and I don't want that from my animals. So try to find a way to enjoy the process. Accept where you are. Accept the dog that you have. And if you got that, you know, eight month old cattle dog cross who just loses his mind every time you see someone, you're not willing to put the energy and effort into fulfilling that requirement for that particular dog, then you have to reassess the dog that you have, especially if it's still early days. It's probably not as as emotional to be able to make that decision. I'm not saying you should get rid of your dog just because you can't train it. Maybe I am saying that. I don't know. But I think it's like, I don't want you to give up easy. Of course, I want you to put the effort in and, and, and fulfill the responsibility that you have. But on the other hand, some people hold on to their dog for two, three, four, five years before they decide to rehome thinking, I can't give him what he needs. And, and a way to counteract that, because of course, I want dogs to stay in their homes and to thrive and have the best life that they can. You have to, as your duty, have to enjoy that process. So um, something to think about today. I hope it wasn't too much of a of a repetitive um episode, but it is something that is worth considering. And if there's anything that you'd like to add, um, find this video on Instagram if I haven't put it up already, or you can just DM us on Instagram, Life With Your Dog Podcast. I'd really um, appreciate some of your, your thoughts and your um your perspective. And I haven't been getting as, as many DMs as I like to hear. So even just drop a DM and go, hey, Panos, I'm listening and I'm enjoying the podcast. It always makes me feel good because, of course, I love to do this and I want to put the energy and effort into it, but I do want to hear a little bit of feedback. And whatever it is, anyone's got any suggestions in terms of how we can create more feedback from from our guests and our listeners, um, I think that could be really cool. So, and if there's anyone that has a guest that you would like us to have a guest on our show, please um, send that forth towards us. And another thing as well is that I don't think our Facebook messenger is working um so if you're on life with your dog podcast on facebook and you're trying to send us a message for some reason there's a glitch we're trying to get a fix it keeps saying somebody's sent a message and then i go to look for it and it's not there so if you want to get in contact with us i think instagram dming us on instagram is the best until next time you guys have a great day much love to you all and love the training process it's important see you guys bye Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, dot com, dot A-U. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna Canine Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.